Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan, Rockefeller Center, New York City, Newsstand Studios. Joined as usual with John across from me. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, and yeah. got uh, Joe rocking the panels. How you doing? I'm doing very well, man. Good to see you. Yeah. So we have a we have a full house over there on the West Coast. Yeah. We got oh, yeah. Uh, got the Jackie Molecules. How you doing, Mr. Molecules? I'm good, man. How are you? Ah, me, 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 me. Uh, me. Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing? Good. And uh, my man Quinn in the upper left in Vancouver Island. What's up? Yep, I'm good. Yeah, all right. That sounds good. Uh, if you're listening live on Patreon, why don't you call in your questions to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. So uh, what do you guys have in the uh, in the way of uh, weekly uh, garbage to uh, talk to me about? Um. So what I didn't mention last week was uh, my girlfriend and I drove across the country from uh, Boston to L.A. to bring her car here mm. to L.A. What kind of car? And uh, just Honda Civic. Mm, all right. What what year? Twenty nineteen. Oh, okay, so not like a an eighty Civic, not like all right, like a new Civic, ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ish. 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 Um. But we we took a very delicious route, um, mm. and I would say the the highlight was hitting Sean Brock's new spot in Nashville, Ooh. Audrey. Oh, so you went down um, and over. Oh yeah, yeah. We're uh. Like Atlanta, Nashville, mm. Memphis, New Orleans. Never been to then, Nashville. I've never been to Nashville. Yeah, it was Audrey Honestly. was very very good. Yeah. I had been to uh, Husk previously, but. Audrey was incredible. Well, yeah, highly recommend. Give us some now. Give us some highlights of uh, what you had. Um, he did this like Anson Mills blue cornbread, mm-hmm. which was probably the best cornbread I've ever had. With uh, lardo. I'm assuming no um, sugar, right? A zero sugar situation. No, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. zero zero sugar. Yeah. Um, chicken dumplings. Uh, there was a there was a beef tongue skewer. Um, Tell me about the chicken you know, dumplings. Just, Soup with a dumpling or like some sort of like thing? Like what was it? Like what and what in what way dumpling? Like a totally wet dumpling or a dry on the top dumpling that had like uh, been ovened? Like what was the situation? It was like a kind of, it was a wet dumpling. What um, dumpling? Not like in soup soup though. It had, I think there was black truffle on it. Was it fundamentally um, a biscuit style dough dumpling or was it more of a bread yeah, bread dumpling? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like no, plenty of fat in dumpling. plenty of fat and like a little bit of like uh, internal texture to the dumpling. There's so many dumplings. I yes. wish there was a. Everyone's like everyone's like oh, you guys don't have very you know many different kinds of like we have billions of things. We just call them all dumplings. You know what I mean? And they're all different. You know what I'm saying? It gets me angry. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, my man John. They also here had a uh, pop 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 pie. Ooh. Was was, oh, hold yeah. up! Hold up! Hold up! Was it made with frozen fresh pawpaws or was it made with dried pawpaws, pawpaw preserve? You got to tell me what's going on because I can't say that I know what a pawpaw tastes like. I almost bought a tree, but then I lost the property that I was going to put said tree on. So hook me up. Give me some pawpaw. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, did it taste like, a, taste like what kind of pie did it taste like? <laughs> what, what, what like Was it like dense? Was it like almost like, you know, like a raisin pie or like a, like a fig pie? Or was it like maybe, soupy, like an apple like, pie? No, no, no. Maybe like a key lime, you know? Oh, so it was like whisked into like a condensed milk kind of a situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Did you have the salt risen bread? Um, did I have the salt risen mm. bread? I don't think so. You would know. You would know. Because yeah, it's, no, it's got like a cheesy, weird, cheesy strange aroma to it mm. oh no 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 you uh i'm not gonna say but you want you chump yourself you chumped yourself now you have to make salt risen bread which is a huge pain in the behind you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's like not yeah i guess so you know i mean they remember we had him on the show and he said that they make it every day and i was like oh my god what a pain in the butt because it fails like but he's like no we got it down he's like thanks for asking it is a pain in the butt Thank you for acknowledging. Anyway, uh, next time you're there, which I mean, have you have you have you been there before? Is this the one and only time in your life you're going to go there? Probably the one and only time Mm. I'm going to go. Someone's going to need to mail my man uh, molecule some salt risen bread. I highly recommend trying salt risen bread. John, you've had salt risen bread, right? No, I don't think so. Oh, you sons of guns, weasels! I don't even know where to get it. You have to make it. Yeah. Actually, I think there is uh, a group. 
I want to say West Virginia or somewhere in that area that I think still has a bakery. I don't know if they ship. Oh. If they ship, we should just get it shipped like to the West Coast, to the Upper West Coast, and here we can all have some salt risen bread. Yeah, I, I feel like when we do these tastings, yeah, we should get them we shipped have, everywhere to all three locations. We have Shop Rock and his and his salt risen bread experts back on the show. Just to talk about salt risen bread. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's. I feel like I've gone over the salt risen bread story and the gangrene so many times. I don't know. We'll think about it. Think about it. See if people want to hear the same story again. Oh, uh, speaking of growing my own uh, pawpaw tree, before we go any further on your trip, which I want to hear more about, I saw a guy when I was uh, coming up here after, after I parked the bike. He had a cane, a walking stick, where clearly they had grown the tree. And when it was a sapling, they bent the sapling over and they grew the cane. They grew the tree in the shape of the cane. Because I could see the grain of it. it hadn't been wet bent. It hadn't been turned. It was the raw stick bent in the shape of a cane, the way that they used to do for like uh, ships, for like, you know, parts of ships. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to start now. You know, if I'm going to if I'm going to get a decent cane by the time sure. I need one, because you got to what plant like 10. Do you get one that you like? Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. All right. So uh, after you went down there, what was your next uh Oh, uh, did you get, did you, have you done that, the Nashville hot chicken? Cause I've never had it in Nashville. John, you did it, right? Yeah. Did you yeah, like it? Yeah, I've done it before. You enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it? It's good. I mean, mm. John, where did you go? I, I did Prince's and Hattie B's I did before. Hattie's. Not on this trip, but. Mm. Yeah. Like Prince's, yeah. It, it's like, it's fine. Nah. All right. You yeah. just made a bunch of enemies. You just made a huge number of enemies. Uh, I've no, never it's, had it. It's good. It's just, you know, I, I feel like you can weirdly get good Nashville, like, style hot chicken outside of Nashville. It's not the kind of thing I feel like I have to have when I'm in Nashville, weirdly. That's true. And now you just doubled your enemies. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. What else? What else do you have? Uh, then we hit Memphis quickly and then down to New Orleans, which, of course, is always delicious. Mm. Um my first Parkways, though, I, that was my first Parkway pool boy, which was very good, obviously. Yeah, you like that um, bread? I do. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then uh, through Houston, San Antonio, Ooh, Houston, Albuquerque, Vegas, and L.A. And I will say, anytime I'm in Vegas, I make sure to go to the Chengdu Taste there, which is, yeah, my jam. Man, again, never been to Vegas. Been to San Antonio. Recently. You've never been to Vegas? No. Nope. Wow. No. It's weird, right? Wiley loves Vegas. Yeah. Wiley, I don't think I had him tell, did I have him tell the story when he was on the, when he was on the air? I haven't been to Vegas either. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. You and me both, man. You know, uh, I figure I get good food everywhere. I don't like to gamble. We have shows in New York. Not the same kind of show, maybe. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of Holtons in the desert. It's different. Yeah, I like the desert. I'm going to go to Phoenix again in like a couple of weeks. If you want some serious desert, Phoenix is awesome. Like outside of Phoenix. You know what I mean? For desert. But uh, yeah, no, never been to Vegas. Uh, Wiley opened Jean Georges' restaurant at a hotel in Vegas. Oh, that's right. And lived there for six months and was on the company tab, right? But somehow it didn't get told right so he had he had, had a fridge which is a daily charge at the hotel like every day for six months because the first thing he did was like give me a fridge and so he put the fridge in there and then he said when he went down to check out when he went home they hit print on his bill and it was one of those old like dot matrix and he said it was printing for like a half hour 45 minutes just printing his six months of hotel bill from when he opened that he loves a hotel though he was psyched yeah. i would not like that i am i do not want to live in a hotel for six months i don't think you guys i think i could do it yeah, yeah. really for six months i think uh, so i don't know I don't know. Uh, it gets it gets expensive, like to eat and just live. You, you really miss cooking. I've stayed in hotels for a long time with work, and you think it's great, and then after about week two and a half, you're like, I want to go home and cook. Mm. I noticed something in San Antonio about that. Get this. See whether you get this uh, slight dig that there's there's. I'm trying to see if this is a, an undercurrent or if it was just two people in a row. San Antonio said. I asked them what restaurants were good in San Antonio, and here's what they said. Both of them not related to each other separate drives. I don't eat fast food. And I was like, I did not say <laughs> fast food. So like, 
at least in San Antonio, there's some undercurrent that if you're going out to a restaurant, you're doing some sort of shortcut or eating fast food. I was like, who said fast food? You know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, so interesting. But I do. Yeah, I don't I don't need out uh, enough. I know, John, I need to come to your restaurant more. Sure. Speaking of which, got any good good new menu items? Uh, the cheese croquettes, I think, are finally done, mm. which took annoyingly way longer than they should have. How many times you burn your mouth on those suckers? Not that much. It's more just like getting the consistency of the batter right. It has to be a lot stiffer than what feels natural. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's a Mornay basically, but it's a really, really stiff Mornay. When someone hands me a croquette and I bite into it right away and the entire inside of it sticks to the roof yeah. of my mouth, I'm like, why, dude? And they're like, why did you eat it so fast? I'm like, you served it to me, Jurgis. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell? No, that's on you, man. I'm not going to. It's not on me. What? So the croquette should just. I think it's an inherently bad. I, it's just, I just, it's not my. <laughs> no. You know what? No, crap. Yeah, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't like doing that either, but, you know, it comes with the territory if that's what you're ordering. I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so I made something this week. So uh, if you remember, uh, Chef uh, JJ Johnson, what was his, what was the rice book that uh, I lent oh, you and it never came back? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, the, it's, it's from the field. It's not all field trip rice? stuff. It's yeah. Anyway, so uh, I don't know if you remember when he was on the show, we were talking about uh, John John DJ Simple Art of Rice. Simple Art of Rice DJ O N DJ O N, which is a Haitian mushroom, like wild mushroom, that in Haiti is used uh, in cooking for kind of special events. And when I read it in the book, and when I talked to him about it, I was like, Oh my god, I gotta get some John John mushrooms. And so like I, I got some at Calustians, and then they were burning a hole in my pantry for the longest time because I needed some sort of excuse to do it. But I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm gonna make a bunch of rice. So I made it and I highly recommend everyone loved the John John. I can't really put my finger on what the flavor of the John John is, but everyone liked it. So I'll give you what I did. First of all, here's what don't do, right? So I, I made it in a rice cooker, you know, because I've mentioned on the show many times that like I can't be bothered and I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. And so like, I'm going to, I'm going to use a rice cooker. That's all there is to it. And I also believe, you know, if you remember, I told chef JJ, I was like, he's like, you just got to do the thing with your finger with it. I was like, nope. Nope. No, nope. And he's like, why? He always works. Don't care. It doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? So I, uh, so the, the secret with the mushrooms is, and the secret with all mushrooms. And by the way, I don't know whether I talked about this on air, but I ran a whole bunch of tests a year or two ago, which I don't think I talked about soaking mushrooms. I, the test was on shiitakes, right? But I was smoke, uh, um, soaking shiitakes at different temperatures to see whether or not it actually tasted appreciably better if you did cold water soak uh, before you heated it. And unfortunately, the answer is yes. So you really doesn't taste as good to rehydrate a mushroom in, an, in hot water or boiling water, um, anything really above 60 uh, Celsius. But that's when mushrooms start undergoing their cooked transition from being uncooked to cooked. That's when that happens. So... Yeah. So sorry, folks. Uh, take your time and, you know, soak your mushrooms right. I didn't bother vacuuming it, but I soaked the John John mushrooms for a long time. Uh, I put them into a uh, nut milk bag, an 80 micron nut milk bag. And then after I soaked them, I brought it up to the boil and, you know, put on um, kitchen gloves, not like not kitchen gloves like uh, how do I describe this? Not like I don't want you to get poisoned gloves, but like scrubbing gloves. Like rubber. Okay. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah Dishwashing yeah. gloves. Yeah. yeah. You should always keep a pair of uh, not filthy dishwashing gloves around because it's just enough insulation so that if you're if you're already got cook's hands that can touch hot things, you still can't really grab boiling liquids. Like you're not that good yet. Probably it, it, you shouldn't be. You should really hope you're not that good. But a good pair of like just like scrub gloves. You know what I mean? First of all, they're grippy, which is nice when it's wet. But then you can take that sack, that nut milk sack, that hot nut sack, and you can squeeze it real hard for at least 10 seconds before your hand starts burning. And so I, that's what I did. So I squeezed it out, got all of the John John juice out. Uh, and then so you add that to the rice. And then I made a blend of uh, parsley, fresh parsley, cilantro, uh, clove. Uh, pepper, garlic, and I didn't use shallots because I don't do that. I've mentioned that a bunch of times. Onion, but <laughs> blended all that up with a little bit of the John John stock back in the rice, uh, brought it up, 
cooked it. The mistake I made was, is I held back on the salt, right? Oh, I didn't hydrate it in water. I hydrated it in veg stock. I was cooking for vegetarians, but I, I, I did it in veg stock. If I was going to do it for myself, I would do it in chicken stock. But if I'm doing it for vegetarians, you can't do it in chicken stock. So uh, anyways, so the mistake I made was as it was getting close to being done, there wasn't that much liquid left. I tasted it. I was like, oh, it's low on salt. And I wanted it to be eaten kind of on its own. So I, I added some the salt, but then the stirring of it at that point, I broke a bunch of the rice grains. But it didn't get gummy and it didn't get sticky. Like they stayed, it was almost like the rice had been miniaturized. So all of the grains stayed separate. But they were kind of broken in half. And people were like, how do you do that? I'm like, I'm really good at what I do. And I was like, that wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to be that way. But uh, anyway, it was good. Nice. Yeah. Made some, you know, I made like a my standard uh, dried cod gloop to go on top of it, which is good. My standard dried cod gloop is just uh, you put onions in a pan and you walk away for a billion years with butter, right? And then you, you know, super low. Then you throw in uh, red and green bell pepper and you let that go for a billion years until it cuts down. Then you, uh, you, you bring, you, you take the thin, the cheap, like the Pollock salt, Pollock, really cheap stuff. And then you put it in a big pot of cold water. You bring it up once, drain it, bring it up, fill it, bring it up again, drain, then chop it fine, mix it in, and then sma smash uh, boiled yams. You know, not sweet potatoes, yams, white, not sweet, yam, name to be more accurate on top of the rest. Anyway, it was good. That was my cooking adventure for the uh, for the week. What about what about anyone else? Got some cooking crap they want to talk about? Uh, it, it being cooking yeah, issues. Yeah, I got, uh, right, what I got, got something. What do you got? Uh, the day after last week's show, we were completely put in. So we made a big old pot of ragu. Genovese, which turned out pretty good. And how do the Genovese folks take their yeah. ragu? Okay, it's basically a little bit of carrot, a little bit of celery, pieces of beef, not browned, and then just a giant pile of, like, sliced onion. I like that. And then you cook it for as long as you can. Right, this makes so you get, like, a very subtle, passive... Sort of caramelization, but like it's relatively blonde, I would say. Mm, so, how present is the carrot in that? Um, again, okay, it depends. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, you made it just now. How present was the carrot? Again, you get you get the occasional bit. I think we could have actually chopped it a little finer. Yeah, but um, it was good. I mean, it's like it's a big part of like sweet onions with like little morsels of like stewed fatty beef. Mm, so, so you're at two thirds yeah. of a mirepoix, no celery, huh? Oh no, there was a little it's, it's celery, didn't we? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I, yeah, I would have clocked it, I thought maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Very little carrot, very little celery, uh, and then just like again, like a French onion amount of onion. Yeah, I appreciate you know it. I, I, mean? I, I I want to say I overuse it because I don't think that's possible, but uh, I go through a lot of onion. My standard like method to do anything is just chop a whole bunch of onions and get them going while you're doing the rest of the stuff. That's basically how I start everything, you know, especially if you're pressure cooking. I do like two or three times the normal human amount of, uh, of onion. But um, yeah, do you ever it's weird? I was thinking about this the other day with mirepoix is that like some people are very sensitive to too much carrot in a mirepoix and some people are very sensitive to too much celery. A lot of people are sensitive to too much celery. Not that many people sensitive to too much onion unless they're allergic to alliums, in which case they're incredibly sensitive. So if you're, if you're sensitive to onions in general, you're highly, highly sensitive to onions in, in a mirepoix. But I mean, just in terms of general taste uh, aesthetics for most people, it's weird how it's always the carrot and the celery, hard to balance. I would say that I always add more carrot than celery. I think. I just do it by eye. Yeah, if we're doing a standard recipe, we're usually pretty even in terms of like, it's like usually two part onion, one part the rest, you know? Mm. One of each, you mean? Or half half? Two half half yeah, or two yeah. one one? No. Oh, I use way two more one onion one. then. I use way more onion. Anyway, 
Well, it depends. I mean, I'm just, it should depend, but for me, it does not. With the leftover Genovese, if I like just took a, like a glob of it because it turns into like kind of a goop, and then I refried on one side and it made like a melt. With the Velveeta. Mm. It was quite good. I like Velveeta. Someone was hating on Velveeta recently. What's the hate? Velveeta tastes good. Kind of a good. Sure does. Yeah, Velveeta yeah. good. Nastasia, what's yeah. do you do you you don't hate Velveeta, right? Who was it that we were talking to who doesn't like Velveeta? Some you know who it was? Yeah. I think it was Chef Josh said something on one of his internet things I was looking for for last week's thing. Said he doesn't like Velveeta. I'm like, well, I don't know, man. It is a well made. No, he likes he likes sodium citrate. I don't think be There's different between liking sodium citrate and liking Velveeta, my man. Velveeta is a like a pro, like it's like you know what I'm saying. It's like he likes using sodium citrate to make his own cheese melting things. And I've said to a bunch of people, I, I, I like I, I Velveeta do that too. Okay, I, do that too. I think it's like you know who makes really good meltable cheese blends? The Kraft Corporation. You know what I mean? It's like it. it I, you know, I think. Look, some things like if you're like what I really want is the flavor of Gruyere in a sauce. You can make it, and sure, it's easy to do, like add, which is delicious, right? Add like citrate to it. But a lot of times, I just want Velveeta. You know what I'm saying? That's just me, though. Uh, that's just me. Uh, it's one of those things with the citrate that, like, sure, I know how to do it. I've taught people how to do it, and then I just don't do it. It's like making the alginate balls. Like I know how to do it. I've taught people how to do it. I don't do it. I don't care about it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not that I don't care about it. I don't care about it from my own personal practice. See what I mean? Yeah. It's like when I'm redoing the re-up yeah. for, the, for the book, I have to, I'm literally writing. I was like, I'm not writing how to do this. Plenty of people do it. I know how to do it, but I don't do it for myself. So I'm not going to talk about it here. And my wife's like, that's really long winded. I'm like, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? So then she takes it out. So I don't know what it's going to look like eventually. Yeah. Uh, hey, hear this, Quinn? Mm. You know what that is? That's Warren Johnson oh. sent me some Hawkins cheesies, or as he calls them, oh. Canadian packing peanuts. So if you want to open up uh, away from the microphone, John. And he also sent us uh, some of uh, his uh, liquor from Above Average Drinks. We have a, uh, coriander, a coriander aguardiente. This is bottle number 42 out of 82. And it's clocking in at 48% alcohol. And I figure we can, uh, Joe, you want to try this or no? The aguardiente? The coriander aguardiente? I'm sure my man John's going to have some. Here you go. So this is clocking hot, folks. Uh, it's clocking at 48. And I don't really know anything uh, about this. So let's just uh, try it. Here's to Warren, long-time long listener. Yeah. I like the nose. Smells sweet. Yeah, it's got coriander. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think? I like it. Yeah? Want to make some comments? It's got, it almost smells like a Christmas pastry. Yeah. You get that? Almost like a... Like a Swedish, like a, like smells like someone cooked like a semla, like almost like there's cardamom in it, even though there's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? You smell that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that pastry smell. You want to smell it, Joe? I smell it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. Coriander is such a pain in the butt because it can be so many things. It can be high in citrus. It can be, we're back at the French Culinary Institute. Nastasi, you remember this? At the French Culinary Institute, we would run back in there whenever they left the storeroom so that they were unguarded. We would run back in there and open every single. So at the French Culinary, we used to get these giant things of spices, like, you know, like the, you know, the industrial, not industrial, but like, you know, big spices. So Nastasi and I would go back there and just open every single one, rip off the lids and be like, <laughs> nope. Nope, nope. And then we would put it in the maybe pile. Remember this, Stas? And then we would like keep smelling the maybe pile and then we would steal the best one and leave everyone else with the garbage. Do you remember that? I don't think that's with me. Yeah. Remember we used to distill, we would distill constantly. One of the things we would distill was the caraway and the other was we would add uh, some coriander to it. I don't know. You don't remember this? Oh. You, you blocked it out. So the, the next thing uh, we have from Warren is a coriander a liqueur. This is at 30 ABV. I'm assuming it's sweeter. It's got some brown to it, so I don't know what the brown's from. We'll see what's going on here. Mm. Want to try the liqueur? Yeah, he wants to try the liqueur. Right. Uh, here, just pour me in the... Pour you in this guy? Right. Right. So what do you think? What do you think? And then you can read this stuff. All right. 
Anyway, well, thanks. We always appreciate uh, getting uh, sound. Good, huh? Yeah. 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 It's not like highly, um, it's like light. Like it's not like highly herbalized. It's not bitter. Yeah, no. It's right. really nice. Well spiced. Should I tell you guys what I've been doing uh, at home? Sure. For in terms of liqueur, should I mention it? Okay, so uh, how many times on air have I mentioned how much I love uh, I love glycerin? Like a lot? Like a lot? So a lot. I, so yeah. a lot. Well, so yeah. I, have a, I have a new thing I've been doing. Uh, you ready for it? Glassid. Have I mentioned glassid yet? No? All right. So I really like uh, taking an Amaro and uh, turning it into kind of like a spritz situation. But you want to add, because they're often very bitter, you want to add a lot of kind of seltzer water to it. And then it gets like a really low, like a session drink. So like, you know, if you use Chinar, you're talking about like 4% alcohol. If you're using like something like a little higher, like it can be like, you know, 6% alcohol. But I'm talking like two, a two ounce pour of Amaro, adding like 150 to 160 mils of, uh, of seltzer water, right? So like a lot, very like, so in order to have that be okay, one, you need to add some acid, right? Because I, I don't think it works well without acid. But you also need to add something to body it back up. So glycerin is the answer. So I've been making a champagne acid glycerin mix that is 60, 60% glycerin, right? And uh, 30%, uh, sorry, 40% water at 6% uh, acidity doing the champagne acid base, which is I use liquid lactic lactic acid now and uh, tartaric acid. So I can give the recipe. I don't I, I did it. I, I calculated the density of uh, glycerin and I, I did all the calculations, but maybe on the on the Patreon, I can put out the recipe for it. And a half ounce of glassid with uh, like two ounces of base, uh, like Amaro, top that, you know, stir it, mix it up, top that with uh, seltzer like up like you could top it pretty high twist orange couple ice cubes you're off to the races so that's my standard low alk that we have at the at the house now and something like chinar that has a lot of body and it's very low in alcohol like 13 and a half percent low right uh, if you want to go even lower i have this th drink i haven't come up with a new name for it yet but like the two per it's two percent alcohol right but it, it so what you do with that is it's an ounce and a quarter of chinar half ounce of glassid and then i make a, a celery seed syrup which is just as simple as it sounds. You just, I also have the recipe. I can put it on the Patreon, but you dump a bunch of celery seed. Celery seed, how, if you grew up in New York, you know Dr. Um, Brown celery soda, right? Anyone knows Dr. Brown celery soda? It's hard to get, but it's like, to me, you know how everyone likes whatever their local soda is? To me, that's God's soda. And they used to make uh, a diet version, but it's not celery, it's celery seed. So just celery seed and uh, water and sugar, you strain that out. So half ounce of celery seed syrup, an ounce and a quarter of chinar, half ounce glassid, fill that up with uh, seltzer orange twist, 2% alcohol. You're good. You're good. Pounder. It's a pounder. You know what I mean? Pound. Pound that thing. Uh, and one of them is like, you know, less than a quarter of a cocktail. So it's like, it's like a fifth of a, it's crazy. It's like five of five or six of them is like a beer. It's nuts. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, by then you're full of liquid because they're also tall drinks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. Uh, all right. You guys tried the cheesies yet? Joe, you've had cheesies before, right? We were theorizing last night because I because I ate a package. Is it because it's so cold in Canada? You guys need to jack the salt so much. Is it like almost the same as being in an airplane? I, I think I think it's just because it's a sharper cheddar that they dehydrate. You know what I mean? No, but they're adding salt to it, my man. They, there's clear. It's not just. I a, know. Yeah. But I think I think I think the salt content of the actual cheese powder is also higher. That's possible, but, you know, if you're making something with a higher salt cheese powder, you know what you do to the rest of the salt? You lower it. You know what I'm saying? You leave it alone. You leave it alone. You let it ride. All right. Fine. Uh, I mean, that's clearly what they do. But we were just saying it's like, you know, it's like maybe like everyone has their like Canada goose on up there and like they can't hear anything because they got that helmet on, you know, that, that big hood. And so they need something so crunchy that like they can feel it through like all of that crazy weather, and, you know, and they need just like loads of salt. They're really good though. I mean, I got to say, I mean, all love to the Frito-Lay Corporation, but the Hawkins Cheesy is a, is a, in smaller quantities. It comes in a smaller quantity, which I also appreciate. 36 grams. It's the dumbest number in the world. 36 grams. <laughs> What the hell is this? Do they actually like like drop thing and weigh it and then type thirty six grams? I mean, who chooses thirty six grams as the package size? It makes no sense. I mean, you can get 
You can get bigger packages. I know, but like, why, why ever him. make that size? It it's the dumbest. It's like I don't even understand it. And uh, maybe it fits in a particular pocket. Oh yeah, of the of the Canada Goose. That yeah, sure the Canada Goose. I love how the, the orange kind of gives that like. There's a nice hue on the plastic. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's so hardcore. It's a good point, Joe. I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, plastics have a tendency to scalp. Like in, t in other words, like uh, things adsorb into the plastic, like flavors and aromas. And sometimes it can go the other way, which is why, you know, I always if you smell your plastic wrap and it smells bad, don't buy that. Only buy uh, polyethylene, not the PVC plastic wrap unless they've really off gassed it. But this sucker, I'm assuming they didn't start with. In fact, I can know they didn't because I can see the top of the bag. I don't think they overprinted yellow on this. I think that's just scalped off of the cheese powder, which yep. means that's hard core Cheese powder action. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate it, though. John, what does a grignotis mean? A little, like, snack. Yeah. Corn-based snack. It looks like something you get, like, at the, uh, at oh, the, uh, like the, uh, the, the PIL concession stand at the baseball, you know, as a kid. Oh, yeah. When you were a kid, the mini stuff, oh, yeah, it's the best. Back when you used to be happy with like a little thing, you know what I mean? Remember how like little, like remember Cracker Jack when you were a kid getting a Cracker Jack? Oh, the best. Oh, geez. And then like it, how many, how many years did it take before you're like, this doesn't have enough goop on it and this prize sucks. It took me a long time. And there's never <laughs> enough nuts. Never enough nuts. You're looking for that one peanut. And also, also, I know I've said this before, why Spanish peanut hegemony? The Spanish peanut is not the best peanut. Like, not even close to the best peanut. I don't even think it's the second best peanut. Like, why do we, why does everyone go ape over the, why do you want those little skins flying off? Like, how many times have you, I mean, me more than I should, I guess, taken a handful of Spanish peanuts, stick them in your mouth, accidentally breathe a little bit, and one of those skins goes right down your, right, your throat. Like, coughing everywhere. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it's dumb. Worst. It's dumb. It's like um, when someone hands you a dessert and they just put the powdered sugar on and they didn't give it time to set. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So you're like <gasps> tiramisu. Oh, any anything like uh, any anything like uh, especially things that are dry, so it takes forever for that powdered sugar to kind of settle down, like uh, on the outside of like a shoe pastry or some crap, and they hand it to you, and you just one errant <clears throat> inhale, and and you're like hacking and hacking and wheezing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Bad. Uh, upcoming guests on February uh, 13th, we have uh, Michael Fabro and uh, Saif Kaoja, who I don't know. I don't know Saif, but uh, I know Michael, obviously. He used to be at, uh, what's it called? Aura King Salmon, which was, uh, you know, as we said back in the day, our favorite fish. Interesting thing about Aura King, did you hear about this? They ran out of stock. So they sold off all of their stock that was the right size and they were kind of missing a generation. So they paused for a little bit. This is what I was told. They pa I was talking to the folks at Aquabest because Booker, obviously, as a salmon aficionado, was like, Dad, they, something happened with Oraking. They stopped making Oraking. I'm like, well, I don't know, man. And so then I talked to the people at Aquabest, which is where he gets his uh, Ikura. And when, I'll get this for his birthday, which was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh my sister-in-law, Miley, who's been on the show, gives him a $120 gift certificate to Russ and Daughters. So he goes to Russ and Daughters and just says, hands them the gift certificate and just says, French trout row. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they just, and they scoop out this giant bucket of French trout row. Yeah. One, so when I used to get it for him, I was like, no way I'm paying for this crap. So they used to use what they call a Bissell cup, this little cup. And I would say this, enunciate very clearly, one tenth of one pound of French trout row, please. You know what I mean? Like, so that they would know I meant a teenty bit because they didn't want to pay for it. You know what I mean? Because he would just go and, and suck it up anyway. So this, he got 1.1 pounds, 1.1 pounds in, in like a deli. And he comes home. And he just starts going, boom, 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 eating it. And the next morning it was gone. So like, as we're going to bed that night, Jen says to him, you should do something like get some bagels, not just the trout row. Like nobody has consumed that much trout row ever. Like it's never happened. We don't know what it, we don't know what it does to your body to consume that much salt. Only, you know what I mean? It's like gone, just good, gone, hosed. I was like, oh my God. And he wasn't like, I had too much. I don't want any more. He's like the utility monster with that stuff. It's nuts. I mean, it's like, God bless him. He, you know, anyone, I can't figure out what he wants to do for a living where he can afford to live the lifestyle he wants. You know what I mean? He would rather not buy toilet paper and have French trout roll, but still, it's an expensive habit. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> yeah. 
You know? <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Michael Fabro. Who among us can't relate, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, but the thing is, it's like, he, yeah, he just likes certain weird luxury goods. It's bizarre. Uh, it, but he can't, we can't afford to get it. I don't know what, I don't know what he's going to do. He needs to get it. He needs to figure out uh, something that people want to pay him for. You know what I mean? He needs to work for a company that makes trout row. Uh, well, you know, they used to joke at Russ and Daughters. They're like, hey, you could get a job here someday. He's like, ha, 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 ha. But he never, but he probably could, but he'd probably get fired instantly because uh, you know he would dip into that. You know he would. Now, <laughs> yeah, getting high off there. Mm. Getting high off that supply. Uh, yeah. yeah, like I used to do with the bacon at Domino's, which was a nightmare. Uh, I told you that story. No. I've never told you that story? I don't think so. Come on. I don't think so. Oh, my God. Okay. Real quick. So, uh, Stas knows this story. So, I was working as a delivery person at Domino's when I was in college. I was driving my mom's uh, Honda Accord, uh, 84 Honda Accord with MD plates on it. So I could speed. Yeah. I could speed like a mother because I had MD plates. Cops would never pull me over. This is why I never put the Domino sign on the top of my car. But on the other hand, they wouldn't, wouldn't give you shift pizzas. They had no food. And like, you know, they, there was they also like, I worked a crappy shift. And if people weren't ordering, like you were getting $4 an hour, no tips because no one's ordering. Right. And they wouldn't let us eat anything. So I used to just start eating the pepperoni. Now, the pepperoni at Domino's Pizza comes in like uh, a third container, right? Most of the other things are in six containers, right? So this is in a six-inch deep, like, third pan. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to notice that I'm eating all of this pepperoni because I, you know, I, I could eat. You know what I'm saying? So I, I started pounding this pepperoni, and then I'm like, I better move. So I moved from the pepperoni to the bacon, and I ate – like, cause very few people ordered the bacon on the pizza. So I, I ate almost the entire six pan of bacon. And I was like, this stuff sucks. This is the worst. And someone was like, yo, that's raw. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I just thought it was bad, but I ate it anyway. Cause you know, whatever. Uh, College kid. Amazing. Yeah. Dumb. Uh, so Dax, Dax loves that story. Anyway, back to Michael Fabro. So Michael Fabro is no longer at, uh, Aura King Salmon. He has his own, I believe it's Coho farm that he is now the CEO of. Local Coho. Say it again. The company. What? Local Coho. Well, it's only local if you live in upstate New York. Am I right? I am. Yeah. Anyway, so he's a uh, farming coho, and what's interesting is is that he is, as far as he knows or I know, the first person to work on ikijime slaughtering techniques for uh, farmed uh, coho salmon in at least in the United States, and maybe maybe anywhere. So uh, we'll be talking about that, and hopefully he'll bring uh, some of his product. You know, maybe I'll bring Booker. Although I think he'll be in school at that point, so I can't. That'd be amazing. What if you bring Booker? How do you like it, Booker? Not as much or delicious. He only has two words, great or not as much. How do you like it? Great. How do you like it? Not as much. Those are the two things he says. Not as much. Uh, all right. Uh, Justin Sherrill writes in, question, uh, I picked up some Ultra Spurs M uh, on the Impulse. What's it good for? By the way, did you know that uh, um, the people who used to be National Starch, the name just went out of my head, they bought TIC gums. So that's all one company. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. We got to get good with those guys. Get Janet Carver on. Hey, we should get Janet Carver on. Yeah. She was used to run all of the uh, chef outreach stuff for National Starch, yeah. which now is Ingredion. And then Ingredion bought TIC Gums, who makes a lot of the good premixes and stuff. Should be an interesting guest. Yeah. 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 See what I can do. Uh, I picked up some ultra, they make ultra spurs, by the way, okay. uh, I picked up some ultra spurs M on impulse. What's it good for? I remember being mentioned on the show, but I don't have a specific use case to work from or what percentages to use. Would it work for breaking up cocoa powder in a drink? No. Uh, I mean, yes, but no. Uh, so ultra spurs, there's all the ultras. You either got your ultra techs and you got your ultra spurs. I would highly recommend that, uh, home folk only get Spurs. So the difference is, is both of them are, and they're different kinds. You really don't need to worry about it. Are prehydrated starches, right? So what that means is, is that it's kind of like Wondra flour. They're already, uh, they've already been cooked. So you can stir them in, and you don't need to bring a product back up to the boil to get it to thicken, right? It'll thicken at room temperature or any temperature in between. The difference between the spurs line and the text line is the spurs is what's called agglomerated. And what agglomeration does, if you look at it under a microscope, it looks very kind of rough. And so it doesn't stick together. So you can take, without using a blender, and you can stir 
uh, spurs things in with a spoon and you're not going to get clumps and lumps. Whereas Tex, Ultra Tex, you're more likely to get clumps and lumps. And what's the difference between all the different Ultra Spurses? I don't really know and I don't really think it makes a difference. I'll tell you, I mean, maybe it does for allergies and stuff like this. But uh, I used it just the other day. The pro reason I wouldn't use it in a cocoa drink is it's going to thicken your cocoa drink. So if you what you want is a really thick cocoa drink, then sure, you could use Spurs. Uh, I was cooking beans. I was cooking cow, um, uh, field peas, uh, cow peas rather, and not black-eyed peas, cow peas, and uh, smaller, different. And um, I had a little bit too much liquid left at the end, uh, so it was a little soupier than I wanted. But I didn't want to do the old school of like taking a big scoop out, blending up a section of the beans, and putting it back in. I wanted to keep the beans intact, so I just spooned a little bit of uh, ultra spurs in, stirred it. Thicken right up, you know, in about 10, 15 seconds, you wait five minutes or so for it to really kind of stabilize and out it goes. And so like that's, you know, a use case right there. It's like a really good if you don't want it. So Xanthan, sometimes it's easy to kind of go over the top with it, um, like ultra spurs, because it is a starch, it acts more like a, a starch. So, you know, if you ever, if you hate making a cornstarch slurry and stirring it in at the last minute, I don't know anyone who loves it. Plus, then you have to bring it back up almost to the boil. Do you love doing the cornstarch slurry and then praying that you don't get those little fish eyes in it? No. You hate it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the only reason that they make Tex, I think, is because it's a lot cheaper. But in terms of the, like use on our basis, it's not that much cheaper. Your time is more expensive. Uh, all right. From uh, L. Butts, uh, there seems to be a new Instagram TikTok fad going around much akin to the fiasco of uh, Parmigiano Reggiano in an espresso martini. Well, what do you think about it, L? Do you really like your – I'm kidding. Uh, I, did you catch that fad, Parmigiano espresso martini? Did you catch that, I, anyone? I saw a video about it. Why? I saw a video about it. Why did you – do you watch them on purpose or because of this question? Well, like someone I follow trying it. And what they say? They were terrible. Yeah, sounds right. Um, the new trend is using soy sauce in bourbon slash rye cocktails. <clears throat> Just, have, you, have you guys seen this trend? No? I haven't seen that, but to me it sounds decent. All right. Well, let me see. Just tried making a Sazerac with one. First of all, you, you, you folks know, I, I, I'll drink a Sazerac. A Sazerac's a fine drink, but as it contains Peychaud's bitters, I would prefer if you just made it with cough syrup. And that's what we used to do at the bar. If, if friends and family came, I would pull Robitussin up from underneath the bar and make a Sazerac with Robitussin <laughs> and do a side-by-side, -side, like a Robosac and a freaking Sazerac. They taste identical if you get the, the, the red. You know what I mean? Uh, just try making a Sazerac. I can honestly say wow. that uh, the last remnants of my Rittenhouse rye, and I know it's not a special whiskey in the States, but in Australia, with our exchange rates on top of import fees, uh, fees and then throw in uh, industry uh, markups and whatnot, it tends to border on the special side of spirits. It was not worth wasting the, so uh, the Rittenhouse on the soy sauce, yet I don't know if I might have been heavy-handed with it. Well, if you added any at all, you were heavy-handed with it, in my opinion. Same. Um, interested to hear whether it's another fad that will die out in a couple of days or hold some actual ground. Thanks. I said, listen, I'm sure there is a use for soy sauce in uh, certain uh, uh, bourbon based cocktails, certain cocktails in general. Uh, Jack Schramm had a, a fish sauce based cocktail that was uh, really good with a couple of dashes of, of fish sauce in it, but it's very cocktail specific. This is why people are like, oh, I don't, in other words, I don't think it's like salt. Right. Where salt makes a lot of drinks taste better, especially drinks with fruit or citrus. Right. I don't actually think MSG makes a lot of uh, all drinks taste better. I think it makes some drinks taste better and then makes other drinks taste like this, <laughs> like like bro brothy kind of, you know, I don't know that I want umami in all of my drinks. You know what I mean? Uh, and I would say soy falls into that category. So are there drinks that would be delicious with soy? I am sure there are. I do. I want soy in my Sazerac. Probably I don't. I think, uh, you know, there's like, what? I feel like anything with like caramel or coffee or chocolate notes, you could use like drops of soy sauce. I mean, could do, could do, but do you put soy sauce in your coffee? I mean, I play, I play around with soy sauce and like, okay. Salted caramel application. That's it's a salted. Really that's a salted caramel. That's fine. That's a dessert application, like a culinary thing. I think like there's a fundamental difference between like cooking something which is an agglomeration of a bunch of different flavors, like mole, right, and making a cocktail, which is like a whole so, different I think, thing. I think soy sauce, especially really nice soy sauce, works with chocolate. Okay, I think anything with like 
chocolate notes. It would be good. Or like I've got um Don't put it in my hot chocolate. That, like, you can make me a chocolate thing with it. You can make sure. me you can make me a chocolate thing with it. Please don't put it in my in my in my chocolate bar. Don't put it in my coffee. If I'm having my morning espresso, don't go with soy sauce into my espresso. Don't do that. You know what I mean? But what were you saying? You're, yeah. You're, yeah. What was the one you were saying you were just doing? Again, like if you combined Nachino, like if you had a drink with Nachino, which is like the black walnut liqueur. I'm familiar, yes. And then you add a little soy sauce on top of that. Like, again, like a few drops. Yeah. I think that would work. Look, there, well. okay, look, it's possible that something would work. Here's the other thing, right? Let me tell you a little story. When I, and I, when I first learned to carbonate, force carbonate with, uh, not with an EC, right? Which is expensive. But when I first got the carbonator caps, this was in like 2005 or four or something like that, I would carbonate all the wines. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. I, every white wine, everything. I would even like make some Lambrusco y things, right? I would just carbonate everything. I was like, this is fantastic. I love it. And then I said, you know what I need to do? I need to taste this side by side with the original. I was like, oh, the original is better. I was like, oh, I have hurt this product. It still tastes good, but I have damaged the product. And for what reason, right? And I would guess that soy sauce, you can make something with a lot of things in cocktails with soy sauce that taste okay, but I would bet that you've actually done a little bit of damage. It's still good, but it's not maybe better. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. I think there's, there's, a, there's a huge impulse when you are trying to ideate and come up with new ideas especially if it's like your goal to come up with new ideas, that as soon as you have a new idea, you just start doing it. And if it tastes okay, you think it's great. And then you never go back and really assess whether what you're doing is in fact better or not. You know what I mean? I think it's a huge problem. I have this problem. I think we all have this problem. Um, and this is why you should always just test. The other thing is I was talking to someone the other day and they went through this huge process of bull crap that they were doing for techniques to make something. And in my, I didn't want to say this, but in my head, I'm thinking half of the stuff that you're telling me has no impact on the drink. Like half of the stuff you're telling me has no, and by the way, I'm being generous. More than half of what they were saying had no impact on the drink, but I'm not going to be like, you know, cause you, you're out at, a, at an event. You can't be like, no, do this side by side and then tell me, you know what I mean? Anyway, uh, we have a caller, a caller you're on the air. Hey, what's up, Dave? It's Josh from Norfolk. Hey, how you doing? Hey, aren't you doing something with Campari Academy on milk washing? Uh, I am. I'll be up there in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. And uh, an interesting thing, which I did not cover because I didn't think to cover it, but I've heard people talk about is alternative milks and milk washing. So before I run my own test, which I'm going to have to do, what's your favorite alternative milk to milk wash? And does it have the same uh, kind of uh, flavor altering effects as uh, milk milk from a cow? Uh, not as intense with the flavor altering effects. I found success with uh, pretty much everything except for uh, oat milk, which I think they just put so many gosh yeah. darn things in there to uh, to make it like homogenous that it then makes it difficult to break again. Because hmm. I've, um, I've heard Oatly will break. Did you try Oatly or a different one? I didn't use Oatly. Uh, I took whatever we had at the bar, which was not a decision that I made because I wasn't particularly interested in making that decision. Right. Um, but yeah, I haven't tried Oatly. I'll have to give it a shot. But I I made a bunch of things work. I actually did one. Uh, I did a Trace Leches, uh milk punch that I made to break with uh, you know all three milks. So yeah, the alternatives work pretty pretty well. Wait, so like goat? Like which three milks did you do? It was, man, I'll have to remember. It was definitely sweetened condensed milk yeah. and whole milk and something else. Did it break hard? I'd have to, I'd have, it broke real hard, yeah. Uh, um, someone, when, I, yeah. when I do them, like, I, I do them real fine anyway. And then, uh, like, for home batches, I just put them through, like, a reusable percolating coffee filter. Yeah. Um, and it, everything I did with alternative milks broke big enough that that was enough to, uh, to strain it. So, like, almond? Almond, no problem, yeah. Soy breaks. In other words, like, here's a question so, for you that I haven't tried with something like soy. What if you, instead of breaking it with uh, acid, what if you did a, uh, what if you broke it with um, like Epsom salt, like you did for, like you would for tofu? You think it would work? Oh, uh, I know a lot of things that aren't acid break. That's actually a big part of what I'm going to talk about is breaking with like tannic and astringent things. So we're, we're doing one where it's just, uh, 
the breaking agent is just really oversteeping the hell out of whiskey with coffee. Yeah, coffee, like, coffee is coffee's instant break. The only problem I have with coffee with no acid is the curd is so fine. It's so tiny. So do you have a way to make the curd not be so tiny? Like the nice thing about acid break is it's real fluffy. You know what I mean? Whereas like coffee, right. like a coffee break is like, like tiny, tiny pellets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, then I just adjust the method I'm using for straining for that. I don't, do you find any negative results on the back end? I mean, like I, for I don't having think a smaller curd? I'm using, I, I'm using a centrifuge. So if like, you know, I got to, I got to go back and test like, you know, just using like an, like an 80 mesh back. Anyway, you want to push this before you ask whatever question you're going to ask or say what you're going to say, you want to push the class so that people can go look for it. Yep. Yeah. So we added a, added a second day, which should go live today, but I'll be teaching a class on milk punch and milk washing at uh, the Campari Academy in the Grace building uh, Tuesday, February 13th and Wednesday, the 14th. So if your Valentine's day plans uh, include talking about, homogenous uh protein emulsions then you know come hang and why shouldn't they and why shouldn't they involve that nothing's more romantic right and uh, by the way yeah than breaking milk why do they keep calling that building the grace building wr grace is one of the most evil companies like they they haven't met a village that they can't poison like, why is it that they still call that building the Grace Village? Isn't that weird? It's not like Grace, like, you know, Grace Church or, or Grace, like, you know, God's good graces. It's WR Grace, evil, evil mega I overlords. Mean, you know what I mean? I'm, ha I'm happy to rebrand it to the Campari building with other stuff in it. Yeah, a little long. You need to tighten that up. Workshop it, <laughs> tighten it up, get it back to me. Yeah, so uh, for those of you also that have never been to the Campari Academy, go check it out up there on the 19th floor. They got a, they got a nice little space. All right, so what was your question? So uh, I'm, I'm making a soup on this uh, nice, cool Virginian afternoon, and uh, I'm going to use leeks. And uh, I know your stance on leeks mm. and not wanting to deal with the dirt. What I've always done is cut them first and then washed them. And I'm wondering, does this, is there a reason that this makes me a low-quality individual? Is this like monstrous behavior? Or? It depends on what you mean by cut. The, the classic thing is to slice it almost down to the root in half, break it open so the root stays intact, and then like fudge it around and then slice it into rings. You mean you slice it in rings, put it in the spinner, and then go... That's probably the smartest way to that's do it. That's what I do too, yeah. It's smart. It's smart. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I, that's the way I do you know, cilantro and that's the way I do parsley. It's the way I do everything. So I just never thought to do it with leeks because I had been taught the old idiot way, you know, because if you, but if you don't ring it, you can't do it that way. You can't do the classic leak clean technique that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? God bless the salad spinner. God bless the colander. You know what I'm saying? How many, how many rinses do you need on the rings to get them clear? Cause what I hate about leeks is, also, like some some celery, but you celery is not as much of a pain in the butt because you're not doing that much of it. Is the persistent, the persistent dirt on the bottom of the leak? You know what I'm saying? Do you have to sit there and scrub a lub lub? You know what the best way to clean leaks is, by the way? Have someone else do it. It's for sure the best way. It's for sure the best. It's like peeling shrimp. The best the best shrimp peeler is somebody else. But uh, no, that's a good uh, that's it's good technique. I mean, I just you know what you know what. I'm 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 grown now. I'm uh, 52 years old. Maybe I'll go back to leaks. I'll do it. I'll do it your way. I appreciate I appreciate the impetus. I can stop my my I'm, but, I'm, you know, stop my hate talk. But uh, still, I just wanted to make sure back. I wasn't sinning by doing it. No, I mean I mean look, I don't I don't think anyone's going to get mad at that. I mean theoretically, you're leeching a little bit. Who cares? You know what I mean? Like honestly, who cares? You know what I'm saying? Um. Anyway. Uh. Was that, was that, uh, we just wanted to, add, I think you're doing fine and, uh, go, uh, check out, uh, check out your, uh, Josh's class at uh, the Campari Academy. Maybe we'll put something up on the Patreon so people know where to get it. All right. Oh, cool. I, yeah. I swear I wasn't calling for the plug, but I appreciate it very much. Hey, why not plug, right? Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Gordon Stahl writes in baking soda science. Uh, how does baking soda reaction work in honeycomb candy? So honeycomb candy, seafoam candy, foam candy. Uh, you guys know what we're talking about here. So you, you take a sugar syrup up to a real high temperature, like on the order of like 300 Fahrenheit. You stick baking soda into it. It foams up like real high. Yeah. They, they call it different things depending on where you are, but like it's big in Buffalo and it's delicious and you can cut it in blocks and then dip it in chocolate. It's good. Do you like that stuff? It's yeah. kind of like a, not an aero bar because that's chocolate, but that's, and that's done with a vacuum. But like, you guys, you ever done the vacuum chocolate? Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, like the flavor really, whatever. It's fun. I like it. Weird texture. Do you remember, 
You remember Stupak, Alex Stupak used to do uh, ice cream in a vacuum? I don't think I tried that. Did any of you guys ever have a style? Did you have that from from Stupak? No. He, so like what he used to do is a food saver used to make these weird little food saver things that were like hard containers. And so, um, you know, Stupak was using like a, a Carpigiani LB 100 was his uh, was his ice cream maker down there at WD. And he would do a draw directly into the food saver and then he would stick it right in the vacuum machine and would suck a vacuum and the ice cream, all the overrun would go <laughs> And so all of a sudden now, instead of it being like, you know, 30% overrun is like 300% overrun. It's like super high. Uh, and then um, when the air went back in, it wouldn't go back into the container. So it maintained its vacuum. And then you would throw it in the freezer and you would uh, hard set it at that. And I think he must have put some stabilizer in it because when it came out, you know, other than Cremadan or whatever, uh, and when it came out, it ate almost like angel food cake, but it was ice cream and it would melt. It was the craziest, wild. It was the craziest so texture. Cool. Yeah, it was super cool. Uh, anyway, so back to this. So uh, it's the baking soda with the, with the honeycomb. I recently learned how to make my grandma's peanut brittle. It's aerated with baking soda, similar to the British honeycomb candy. Back on my first attempt, it came out too pale in color. So I assumed I didn't cook it hot enough or long enough, but it also did not inflate. That got me thinking about how these candies actually work. There's no acid in the recipe and at 300 Fahrenheit, there's hardly any water left either. Uh, so is this some kind of direct thermal decomposition? composition of the baking soda and what gets left behind in terms of the sodium from a thermal decomposition i might guess sodium carbonate that's also what i would guess uh but that would be horrible interestingly there uh, also isn't any salt in the original recipe but there's a whole lot of baking soda so i could imagine that the sodium that's left uh might be critical for the flavor but what form would it be in uh yeah you know what's an interesting question i've always taken that it is thermal decomposition because baking soda will start de uh, decomposing you know uh, once it gets over uh about 100 celsius it'll just start randomly decomposing It'll lose a third of its weight, but you will get sodium carbonate over. I'm wondering whether it doesn't taste too much like it because it's, as you say, not really in solution, like somehow locked into the sugar. Maybe that's why it doesn't taste overly basic, but it's a really interesting question. I'm going to have to raise that with the next kind of candy theorist uh, that I speak to. Um, Math Man had another baking soda, baking car sodium carbonate related question. I recently tried, uh, yeah, I think you just weren't hot enough. You weren't hot enough is the issue. Uh, I think that that's got to be it because it needs to be hot enough to stay and to decompose and to and to and to air up. Um, so get it hot enough and it should work. Uh, or yeah, uh, hey, cooking issues team. I recently tried making uh, the caramel syrup that I talked about uh, on the podcast. Two to one sugar to water with sodium carbonate, cooked in a pressure cooker for seventy five minutes. When done, it had a nice caramel color and a heady, uh, sweet pretzel smell. I neutralized the acid with citric acid instead of malic, like he recommended, since I was out of malic. While the pretzel smell went away, it didn't taste very caramelly. It had a metallic or strange uh, aftertaste, um, no matter the level of neutralization. I assumed, uh, was it the citric or is what's wrong? You know what? You know what, math man? I got to think about this. Uh, it's weird. When I neutralize those things... They do, in fact, go lighter and lose some of their caramel. So I, I'm going to work on it more. I don't know the answer, but it's an excellent question. Why does it kind of uncaramel when you add the the uh, stuff? I didn't get a metallic taste in what I did, but I'll I'll run another couple of tests, and you deserve more answers. So I will get it to you. Bruce Blinks, Brinkstein writing, going to Paris in April. Any recommendations? I like everything. Wasn't there some cheese shop you mentioned a few years back? Yeah, look, there's a million cheese shops. My favorite is Bartolome, if you like uh, the kind of cheeses I like. Is it still cold? Oh, April's going to be a little bit too late for Vacheron. Sorry, my, sorry. Sorry, Bruce Blinkstein. You're going to miss the Vacheron Mondor. But you still, you should go to Bartolome. Uh, what are they, we'll, on the Patreon, let's get a good list of uh, of cheese shops. Uh, you know, I always go to Bartolome. But also, you should go to the Beaufort place. Holy crap. They only do, like, Beaufort and other, like, from that from that region. like And, like, you know, beer from that region. But, like, the Beaufort that they have makes all other Beaufort look like idiots. And it's run by the commune for Beaufort. Took me three days of going there every day for them to finally be like, you're okay. <laughs> Uh, Justin Sherrill writes in, uh, nuts question. I make chocolate nut barks from uh, nuts I dunk in simple syrup, then roast and process and scatter over chocolate. So far, so normal. I found the nuts lose their roasted color after a few weeks. The flavor might be reduced a bit, but it's hard to tell if that's just from visual association. Why do they lose color and how can I avoid it? I needed someone to tell me or send me a picture because I have not experienced this phenomenon. Have you experienced this at all? Like a roasted nut losing its color over time? I don't think so. This is not something I'm familiar with, Justin. So someone, someone, if they're also familiar with it, uh, send me, send me it. Um, 
Also, if there's any art history people out there, I'm looking for, an, I think it's an art forum, an article from 1990 to 1992 about the difficulty in performing critiques on art that's related to personal things like personal stories and personal, like your body, like like illnesses you might have, because I want to see how cringy that is now if I read it 30, you know, 20 something years, 30 years later, because uh, that's what we were used to reading art history back in the 90s. So if any of you have a line on that art, my Google has failed me, so I wasn't able to Google it. But if any of you know what I'm talking about and can find me that article, I'd appreciate it. Cooking Issues. <laughs>